We're live. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Police Off the Cuff After Hours. This is a really special episode. Uh, my name is Mark DeMeo. I'm your host. I'm here with my co-host, my partner in all things law enforcement, the very handsome Bill Cannon. What's up, Bill? Hey, I'm looking so forward to uh, talking to Sean. I mean, how often do you get a uh, a subway hero? Uh, we, I think we got to go back to 1984 when we had Bernard Getz. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a little bit. Bernard Getz was a little bit different. Uh, yeah, a little bit, a little bit, definitely. But before we bring on, uh, introduce our host, we also have joining us tonight for our, le uh, our legal expert, uh, retired police officer, uh, uh, amateur boxer, great boxer. Uh, he ran for uh, the, the uh, what was it, the DA in in Queens, right? Queens DA. Queens DA, and uh, he's he's on the rise. He's also one of our sponsors on the show. He's uh, the head of a law firm. Uh, you can find him if you need any help. Uh, our guest tonight, a return customer, Joe Murray. What's up, Joe Murray? Hey, fellas. Thanks for having me. Such a pleasure and an honor to be here with Sean. Yeah, 100%, yep. right? And, and so, guys, without further ado, then, I'm going to go to the... Um, well, I didn't uh, introduce him yet. Let me introduce him. Oh, okay. Him. Go ahead and introduce him. Okay. So, just so uh, in case you're not from New York or you didn't get the national news, on Wednesday, May 19th at approximately 10, 10 p.m., uh, on the southbound side of the NQR train, a lady was attacked by um, a male, and uh, he was he with a knife. He was stabbing her. He stabbed her several, several times. There was um, a commuter waiting for the same subway car, the same subway train. Um, he took notice, and then he took action. Um, he's not even from here. He's a Canadian. He was here on assignment. He works for the Canadian Broadcasting Company. Um, he had worked a long shift and um, <laughs> it, where everybody else stood around to watch, this gentleman jumped in. He's a Mark, really Mark I hate to uh, break it to you, but he's a native New Yorker. He was born and raised in Brooklyn. <laughs> oh, he was? That's why he was giving you a puzzled look on his face. <laughs> well, no, I just read. Uh, okay. But so he does work for the Canadian I, Broadcasting Company. Okay, I well, mistaken for Canadian a lot. <laughs> well, let's introduce him then. Uh, a real New York hero, um, Sean Connerboy. Welcome to our show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. Sean, I'm going to go right to the – I want us, everyone to see what you actually did, and I'm going to add – I'm going to add the uh, – I'm going to have everyone watch this. Lost Bill. He'll be back. <laughs> so listen, I can't wait for the studio to open. Is that what's going to happen? Yeah, we got to do the studio. You did it already? Not yet, but uh, we were down there. Uh, Ange was doing uh, photos at uh, the SBA office, but we got to get the studio. Let's do this live like we did uh, originally. Sean, uh, live, live TV is always better. Yeah, yes. Joe, um, uh, Joe is talking about there's a studio downtown in Manhattan, uh, inside Blue 360, where we began recording. And then all of a sudden, with the pandemic, we couldn't uh, record there anymore. So that's how we to discover uh, Zoom and then StreamYard and right, doing it this right. way. No, you got to keep it going. You're talking about like two uh, retired cops trying to figure out, <laughs> you know, like how to run all this stuff, you know. Yeah, and most of the time, it, it goes pretty smooth. We're learning along. Uh, yeah. 
adding these videos though. This time, a good Samaritan jumped into action and not only stopped. You're not seeing it, Bill. Catch the knife wielding man. That good Samaritan speaking exclusively. You're not seeing it, Bill. Okay, all right. You you know what? Did you go to you go to the overlays and you hang on a second. You got to make the screen big on the overlays, the video. Go to the bottom right and make the screen big. It's got to take over the whole thing. Look at that handsome guy, huh? Look at that. I should have worn my pink shirt. <laughs> Real men wear pink. That's what the modern day hero looks like. I didn't know when I got up in the morning I was going to be the center of so much attention, so I just threw that on. That was still the <laughs> same day? It's famous. No, this is the next morning. Okay. So that's the knife, huh? Yeah. Wow. What the hell is going when on? When did you first see it? Um, I saw the knife from right before you see me run in from the upper left there. Uh, because he had flashed it almost. It, he oh, raised it over the uh, victim uh, in, a, in a way as if to come down either in her back or on her chest or on her neck. Wow, and the, the 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 knife, the size of the knife, and the brilliance of the metal just looked spectacular under those fluorescent strips of right. light. You couldn't miss it if you're looking in the right spot. And it happened so quickly right. that I was already looking there, and I saw all of that, and I heard her scream, and uh, it was you know obviously very easy to put it together in a split second. Thought that that woman is being assaulted with a knife. I tell you, man, that, that's amazing what you did. Uh, you jumped in there like so quick, man. You know, Sean, one of, one of the things that, um, and I heard you speak and I heard you be interviewed a couple other times, is that you saw something wrong with this guy before he even struck, right? You were looking at his eyes and you could see he was a little bit crazy and you were very leery of him. You want to well, talk I about that? Yeah, I wouldn't say crazy. I didn't like his behavior when I first came down onto that platform. I was there only three or four minutes before uh, I separated from this person. He was uh, casing another individual, a man, who was paying no attention to him. And then he came alongside me in a manner that you know, most strap hangers find to be uncomfortable in proximity. And uh, it was then that I noticed his shoes. They were you know, bright red. And instead of maybe making a, a provocative look at him at that point, I just made a note of his uh, his position, his body. And uh, he had been sort of like circling, it seemed, that man that I first saw him casing. And I didn't like that look. Uh, the guy seemed to be oblivious to it, whether or not he was or and he was just afraid and was staring into his phone, I don't know, we'll never know. Uh, but when he stood next to me, my alert level went through the roof because it wasn't that crowded where we were standing. Where the event happened was more crowded, which is even more alarming. Um, and then he crossed in front of me between that narrow space between the um, support columns, the steel columns and the platform edge where they had that yellow board with the uh, the knobs on it to deter you from walking. He walked along that and 
as he did, I looked at his face, which was covered from a mask and from a hat or a hood above, and I looked at his eyes, which were not looking in my direction yet, but as he did cross in front of me, he did look at me, which is not a normal thing if you've ever been in that situation waiting for a train and I want to move further up the platform to be somewhere else. You know, you, you're, you're prepared to walk be really, really close to somebody, but not actually stare at them. And uh, he looked at me, but I was already looking at him. And I gave him a dirty look, if you can actually interpret that from a mask. I had a mask on. And uh, my alert level then went up again. Just about as high as it can go before something physical might really trigger a, a life-wise response from me. And then he stood on my opposite side, on my left side. And he seemed to be pretending to fumble with a phone or to look at a phone. And uh, I made sure that he knew I was watching his body if I wasn't actually going to confront him. I was aware of his movements, his feet, um, his hands, um, and just his general position. And then he turned to walk away from me. And I turned to walk, uh, sorry, turned to look and watch him as he did so. You know, even if he turned to look at me, now that's an open provocation. What are you looking at? You get that every once in a great while. If, you know, and you can diffuse that. I'm not looking anywhere. It's cool. Um, you know, Sean, just uh, to, to um, talk about what you did, that was a beautiful tackle. Uh, by the way, you took him down. It was beautiful. In fact, I had asked you when we were off the air if you studied martial arts because you put him in what's known as a rear naked choke, which is prohibited for NYPD police officers to do right now. So when you think about someone using deadly physical force and the police that should be able to respond in kind are prohibited from using deadly physical force back because they could get arrested for an A misdemeanor. These are the geniuses we have in the city council, the mayor, and the governor. These, these are the people that are governing us now. Yeah, I agree. And I, I, it's ironic that a, a citizen, a non-uniformed policeman or badged policeman vested with the, the trust of the police department to guard the community, uh, was able to do that. And uh, uh, if a police officer had responded exactly the same way, would then have to Jeopardize, jeopardize their own safety by using their hands on the shoulders or the arms where the knife is flailing. Uh, and I, I just made sure that there's no way in hell this knife is going to turn to face me, which meant there's no way I would let him turn to face me. Yeah, but um, I never knew what that hold was called. I, I, you got yeah, it's called a rear naked choke. It is very yeah. effective, actually. Clearly, but, um, yeah. Like Bill mentioned, do you have martial arts training? I don't. No. Really? I'm surprised. No, no combat, uh, no uh, stage combat training, no martial arts, no wrestling. I'm very, uh, very I, surprised. I mean, you're in good shape. Do you work out and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, I would, I, I would describe the two things that might have, you know, been a factor in that is that I grew up in Brooklyn, and, we, you know, we used to scrap and wrestle and fight all the time. Not with knives, but, right. uh, you know, you do want to win. You don't want to be uh, punched in the eye or hit in the teeth with an elbow. And, uh, yeah, you know, regular visits to the Equinox could not have hurt. Yeah. Right. You no, know, Sean, I also asked you off, off uh, the air, and I want to know on the air, did the mayor call you? No. 
No, no one, no no one from no, the city of New York called me. Of course he didn't. Uh, did, did Cuomo call you? No. No, of course he didn't. What, what's the highest level of politician that called you? Was there a politician that called you? Uh, there were no politicians that called me. Wasn't no, there I, some? Uh, wasn't there some public official gave you? Oh a call? yes, yes. Uh, Sarah Feinberg, the interim president of the New York City Transit Authority, uh, took the time out to call me and uh, expressed her deep and profound gratitude for what I had done and you know getting involved and being there at the right time and putting my life on the line and. Uh, you know, we had exchanged uh, a pleasant conversation, as pleasant as it could be, about this just completely unacceptable skyrocketing crime in the system that she now has to um, address. Instead of making trains run more efficiently or getting buses to move faster, she's got to worry about uh, the safety of the public uh, just coming onto the property to use trains for legitimate purposes because there's so many people down there for purposes other than right. Well, you know why? Because they don't have to pay their fare. That's another thing. Yeah, they, they certainly they don't. Just, yeah. 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 Uh, uh, fare evasion was probably the beginning of, you know, opening up this Pandora's box of behavior that um, seems to have no end because there are no consequences. Obviously, an attempted murder or a murder does have consequences still. But to get to that point means you have to have a victim. And this is not a petty crime. This is a, a serious felony. And uh, it has to be treated as such. No, 100%. Joe, uh, would you comment on the a police officer using the same force that uh, Sean did? Would you want to comment upon that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I find what is most disturbing as I was reading the Attorney General's uh, suggested bill, the Police Reform Act, or Police Accountability Act, I think it's called. And in there, there is it's so convoluted the way it's written. It, it, it's impossible for an officer to, to go through those four and five steps in order to determine if their force is justified. But one of the provisions actually says that if they're committing this felony, this serious felony, escape or kidnapping, that it has, and the person has to be, they're in the conjunctive, four different things in the conjunctive. One of them is they have to be armed with a gun or other deadly weapon. That's not a deadly weapon under the, the uh, penal law. So technically that wouldn't justify under that provision the use of deadly physical force, even though we know that's deadly physical force. That comes in a different step that the officer has to analyze before they can use that force. So it, it, it's alarming what they're doing to police officers today, forcing them to, to second guess their own actions. I got to tell you, and Sean, you know, it's up to you if you share it. We all did this. We loved that part of the job. I remember when I first came on, I was 20 years old. I, I hit the, the street after the academy at 21. I couldn't believe I was getting paid to do this, to actually go after bad guys and tackle them and capture them and arrest them. Like I got a great feeling of satisfaction helping people, victims, crime victims. I worked in Midtown, and we you know, routinely were getting picked off by – uh, street thugs and robbers. So 
I love that. And I couldn't believe I actually got paid to do this job at that point. I just really loved it. It was such an amazing feeling when you take action like that and you happen to be in the right place at the right time and you save somebody from serious harm. I mean, Sean, I mean, is that, am I describing that correctly? Um, you are. It, it, it becomes more um, poignant with each passing day and each time I talk about it um, because I haven't really had the time to internalize it and process it. Um, I'm extremely fortunate that uh, our victim survived because I know if she didn't, we wouldn't be talking right now. I wouldn't be out there um, yeah. addressing these larger concerns, let alone explaining what happened and how I took part in that. Uh, that changed the equation entirely. Um, I would have hate I would have hated for her to have lost her life because I lost a second or two in getting there or something else that happened. You know, you know, Sean, Sean, you know what else was refreshing? That some people actually came to your aid. Because usually there's morons with their phones yelling, you know, world star, world star, like mm -hmm. idiots, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. that's that's the society we live in now. You know? Yeah, on the video, I noticed that too, that as soon as you got involved and you were tussling with this guy and going back and forth, other people came in, some guy grabbed his legs, somebody else came in, people got involved. Right, right. I remember during that entire struggle that I was relying on my hearing much more so than my eyesight because my eyes were locked on the back of a person's head that's only a few inches away from me. And I did hear at one point somebody say, I got him, I got him. And I uh, assumed that was someone else holding him elsewhere, you know, out of my line of sight. And the video does show, yeah, that man came up uh, and, uh, and pinned the assailant's ankles. And then someone else had been up near his upper body, my upper body, and had been applying pressure to some degree just in case this guy was able to spring up. But Sean, how, how, serious, how seriously was she injured? Uh, she received three wounds, one of which was deemed a laceration, a deep laceration um, in the neck and shoulder and clavicle area. I guess that's the upper chest. And uh, luckily, they're not life-threatening. How long did it take for the two cops to show up? Was that video edited? Because it looked like they came right no, away. No, no. The entire thing, uh, the entire incident from the moment he attacks her to the moment he's in handcuffs was maybe 90 seconds wow that's cool oh, wow. isn't that incredible isn't that that's absolutely fast, incredible man. yeah so you see him cross that platform with the knife and then he disappears out of the picture uh you anticipate that's another two maybe three seconds and that's when all hell breaks loose uh i was there in five seconds after that and then the struggle occurs and uh, the police were called by somebody. Somebody must have gone up to the mezzanine and yelled for them because they maintain a, a district office right at the top of the stairs. You couldn't have gotten closer. And they were downstairs in no time. And uh, they had me, they pulled me off the uh, sandlot because they didn't understand exactly when they got there what had happened. They didn't see the victim. They saw the two of us fighting and they assumed that I was attacking that guy. And I was just with uh, the officer you see in the video that, that pulls me up and manhandles me up against that column this morning. I went to that uh, district office this morning and I asked for her and she was there and she came out and we hugged and we exchanged uh, really, you know, a profound sense of relief that 
Sean, you're lucky it wasn't it wasn't Officer Murray back in the day. He would have jacked you with his Coca Cola. <laughs> I was I'll be honest with you. Two things. I was waiting for another assailant to do something like that because yeah. my back was turned. And then when the police did arrive, I wasn't sure if I was going to get arrested because I wasn't sure how they would have interpreted what was happening there. But somebody yelled out when I was in uh, a Ponte Kelly officer of Ponte Kelly's grip. He's not the guy. He's not the guy. And she immediately understood that this man on the platform is the guy. Uh, and it wasn't clear right away because the knife had been kicked out of his hand while he was prone on the platform beneath me. Uh, and somebody had kicked it out of his hand, whom I don't know if we ever seen him in the shot. Did and you see that? Shot Did out you across you see the knife getting kicked out, like for your own no, safety, because no, you no, had to be like, trained in on that. No, like I said, my eyesight was was zeroed in, tunnel vision, like on his his neck, the back of his head, his ear, uh, his face, what I could see of his face, and I relied completely on my hearing to know that that knife is now no longer a factor. Good. And I heard the knife just shoot across the platform. It just made an unusual sound that metal will make when it's on tile. And then there was nothing. And then crash, it hit the roadbed. And, you know, I've never heard those sounds before, but I obviously was able to determine the knife is gone. And sure, it was at that point that his body relaxed. He sure, actually stopped you, struggling. Then. Do you know what his status is? Is he still in? Did they release him? What no, is his status right I know, now? I know nothing about the assailant. Right. Now. Okay. So he went to Bellevue for psychological evaluation. Yeah, but... I understood that both he and the victim went to Bellevue. Uh, I'm not sure if that's accurate because uh, I asked, "Where is the victim?" And uh, well, I mean, Bellevue is a big place. Here. Bellevue has this uh, a hospital that's Bellevue. They also have a psych ward that's Bellevue, yeah. Uh, yeah. and they're, they're separated by a couple of blocks. Really, like right, that's true. Yeah, and it's fairly close to Union Square, so it makes perfect sense. Yeah, I mean, they could very easily be like, you know, two, three blocks away from each other. Yeah. But I tell you, Sean, that that really, it, it was an amazing thing that you did. It really was. And I can't, I mean, I, I'm amazed that you weren't contacted by the mayor because a mayor that cares about crime would have contacted a citizen and really congratulated them for a, a heroic act, but this shows you what an empty suit this guy is. You know, well, no, I mean, look at what's going on in the city. I mean, do they really want to point out that how much that there's people down there with knives that are supposed to be on their uh, meds that don't aren't on their meds? That that kid was here from uh, staying with his aunt or something, and and she couldn't uh, get his meds, and he ran off. He's he's uh, schizophrenic, right? So you know, like. Um, you know, does he want that going out there that there's crazy people with knives in the subway attacking people? They want this to go away. What happened to Thrive NYC and the billion plus dollars that was dedicated to assist these people to actually help them or prevent them from doing what this man did? Who knows, man? I mean, that, that's. And wouldn't he at least try to explain that, even if he's not going to call Sean, at least explain how this obviously disturbed person was on the subway, was not in treatment? Did Thrive contact him? Did they have any any contacts with him along the way? I mean, 
How do we know what this program is doing, this billion dollar program that his wife is running? How do we know the effectiveness of, of this? Like, why don't we hear, hey, okay, this is somebody that we've been following in Thrive. He's been getting treatment and counseling. You know, I, I, I hear nothing. And it's it's deafening, the silence. Well, yeah, you can no, see it's part of it out in the city. I spent the entire day in Times Square, and that's exhausting enough the day this occurred. Um, and almost on an hourly basis, another what you guys call EDPs would come up to the TV camera, the lights, and some of them were, uh, you know, amusing to some degree, but an, a little bit unnerving, right, to, let's say, a tourist family who just wants to be there and soak in New York, and then they have this unhinged individual. And then there were some people who were downright hostile, and they were clearly uh, people who have severe mental disorders, and they're running around up there, sometimes almost naked. And, you know, you can say, well, that's New York, and that's Times Square. You have the naked cowboy and the naked cowgirl, but those people are peaceful. You know, you give them a couple of bucks, you take a picture and everybody's happy. A lot of these guys are running around almost with no clothing on and they're clearly mentally disturbed and threatening in some cases. You and know, what's the chances this guy actually paid a fare to get inside the subway system? Like when they criticize broken windows and about addressing the smaller issues like fare evasion when they criticize that, and here I think it's fair to say this guy skipped the turnstile and got in there. He's not, uh, you know, perhaps not even coherent about, you know, his, his state of being. But, however, that should be addressed. Government is here to protect us. And if there are people in society that are causing a danger to themselves or others, they need to be removed from society, plain and simple. When, that all, when all these units were working together, there was people that are, um, uh, they're just like uh, cancers to the neighborhood, uh, you know, but they would get in the system and they were constantly in the system. They'd either get arrested and they'd be gone for a week and then they have a chance to see a doctor while they were there, re-up on their meds. Maybe they get back out and the next time it's a month or two months, but they were constantly going through the system. So, you know, you look, these people were gone for a little while. And while they're gone, they're getting treatment. Right now, they're just out there responsible for taking their medicine on their on their own. Um, a lot of them aren't. And this is what's happening right now. They just don't, they're not responsible to go anywhere. They're not worried about getting locked up. And people are looking the other way. All the things that used to be able to stop and talk to somebody about, uh, the urinating, the marijuana smoking, um, the defecating, <laughs> Open container, uh, open container, open container, all that stuff is gone. But but they say broken windows is a myth. It didn't work. It's useless. It's actually racist. I mean, I, I don't get it. How you look at something as simple as this. Here is the proof, guys. I don't think this there's a cop. Why we need it. I don't think there's a cop that worked during that time that will tell you it went a little, it, it kept going too much. They should have took it, taken their foot off the pedal, off the gas and cruise for a little while. And I always say it was the third term when Bloomberg got. It, it, they never chilled out with it, and it just became part, part of Comstat. We talked about this 100 times, the UF-250s, the, the stop question and frisk reports that you had to fill out five a month. It just became too much pressure on these guys, and that's what was the downfall of it. 
But it did work. It did work. And at some point, they're going to have to do something, recreate it. But it's going to be the same thing. Exactly. I just got to shout out to some of our uh, people in the chat. Richella Pranzo, of course. Janine Goodwin. Peter Pranzo, Harlem Raiders. Hoorah! Missy K at the Whiskey. Uh, Danielle Colby. Princess Mitch. Missy Q. Um, who else we got here? Oscar Ferrafino, Stephen Cologne. Trying to look at Jamie P uh, Jamie Pimentel, Danielle Colby again. All you folks, George Taylor, Steve Cologne again. Thank you guys so much for supporting Police Off the Cuff. And uh, having said that, Mark, I think it's time to go to a um, it's time to go to a commercial. And uh, I'll put yours up on the screen. There you go. Hey, what's up? Listen up, guys and gals. You know that we are sponsored by the best hot sauce in the yeah, world. Coffee. Silk City hot sauce is made with small batches using pure ingredients. Locally grown peppers are the foundation of every bottle of Silk City hot sauce. I just gave uh, Bill his batch. I'm curious to know if he's tried any of them. Um, they are fantastic. Uh, they're, they're healthy. It, it, you know, there's no... Uh, after you're not burping for an hour afterwards, it's all, uh, low, great, great um, pro, uh, content in there. Uh, SilkCityHotSauce.com. If you use the coupon code uh, OTC, you'll get a 15% discount. And uh, check it out. I guarantee you, you're going to love it. I have it every day. You guys think you're getting sick and tired of the high taxes in New York? Carol Waters, realtor. She's down in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. You can contact Carol Waters, sells Myrtle Beach at gmail.com. She's part of the Beach Realty Group. And she used to work as the Fitzpatrick Hotel bartender for 20 years in Midtown. Her husband, Rob Mayen, is a, a rollover NYPD officer to the FDNY. They're both selling real estate, the million dollar salespeople down in Myrtle Beach. If you're looking to move down south, give Carol Waters a call, 914-261-6681. And if you get in any trouble mm -hmm. and, you, and, and you need a, a, a great attorney, well, we, 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 got, we got him here on the show, Joe Murray. He's, Joe Murray's a big supporter of Police Off the Cuff, and he now has gone into the 21st century. He's got his own website, joe at jmurray-law.com. I hope you don't get in any trouble, but if you do, Joe Murray's your guy. <laughs> Joe, I got your, I carry your card in my in my wallet. Absolutely. I, sure listen, I know there's a lawyer out there that's gonna feel bad for the way this individual was taken down and try to sue you for damages. I'll be more than happy, honored to represent you in that matter. Free of charge. That's disgusting. Well, yeah. Well, let's you know see. that this city, some of the, uh, Yeah, well, you know, my response to him attacking her was for me to attack him. And uh, I didn't have a deadly weapon. I had no weapon. Joe, you, is what, what the Good Samaritan law sort of covers him, doesn't it? What's that? The Good Samaritan law. Good Samaritan, yes. But listen, the, the, anyone can sue for anything. And then it's a matter of, I'm not saying he will win, but, you know, this kind of conduct is, is going to be uh, 
discouraged. As you can see, the mayor and, and none of the city officials, not even the police commissioner, contacted him to congratulate him. They don't want to support this type of behavior. And you never know. You just never know what somebody will do. You know, Joe, I know that if this was under, like, Mayor Koch, uh, Mayor Bloomberg, you would have got a call from the mayor's office. Thank Absolutely. you for taking yeah. that risk. This was a, But this guy is like, he's he, he's an empty suit, you know? What and, about and, Shay? What about Shay? I mean, he's the commissioner. He should have got a call. He should have absolutely got a call, yeah. you know? I'm not you know, offended, though, so don't worry about that. It, it, it says more about them than it does anything else. You know, we want to we want to we want to segue into an article that was appeared this week in the Wall Street Journal, and it was entitled "Law and Order: It's Back." And Joe, I'd like you to comment on that because I mean, I didn't I thought it was a great article, but I don't totally agree with it. I think the population is sick and tired of the crime, and they're afraid that it's going to escalate even more. However, the the you got Vance wrote an article saying that. They're never going back to broken windows, uh, and they're never, you know, they care more about the the perpetrators of crime than they do about the victims. You're so right, and that was a, f a feature of my campaign that everyone is so focused on the defendant and the defendant's rights and the defendant's well-being, and how can we rehabilitate the defendant and restore the defendant? What about the victims? What, what don't they matter? I mean, are we concerned about preventing crime and crime prevention? And, and you know, how about justice for these victims who have suffered serious losses? So that was a problem I had. And I'm very disappointed in that article by Cy Vance because I have cases in Manhattan. I have a misdemeanor case right now that they're demanding my client plea to the charge. First offense, college kid. And it's it's just shocking to me that it, it seems like so disconnected that Cy Vance is on his own little world. I think he's already checked out. He, he's not running for re-election. And he's now just pontificating, whereas the office is not following what he's uh, indicating in that article. I don't see it, at least in my practice. You know, Joe, with crime going out of control, this is not a photo array here. This is the um, uh, these are the candidates who are running for the Democratic um, nomination there. And I just want to this. They're so horrendous to me that I just want to point out two quotes from two of them. Maya Wiley is quoted as saying, I know what it's like to fear police violence. Diane Morales said. The reality of crime is that safety is not synonymous with policing. Can you believe these are the people that are running for mayor? Can you believe those statements? It's really shocking, and, and it shows how out of touch they are. And it, it really raised a question with me when I read that new Police Accountability Act because it's based on the reasonable person standard. Who is that reasonable? Is it a reasonable progressive standard? Like what? <laughs> What, where are we going with this? You know, like I, if these people are the mainstream and this is their train of thought, we're all in trouble. If these people even have a chance of getting elected, we are all in trouble. Joe, one of them is going to be one of, one of that photo array is going to be the mayor. One of them. I, I have to say out of all of them, the person I know the best is Eric Adams. And I, I, I I did spend a lot of time with him and I confronted him, you know, back in 2001, we had the Diallo shooting and race was a big issue with our department. And I was pleasantly surprised 
by our conversations. And I've shared some of the articles that I wrote about it uh, with you. So he's my hope that if Eric prevails, I think he's the most moldable person who once he gets in the job, his instincts have to having been a police officer and a police supervisor may, you know, trigger him to use common sense. That's good. I appreciate you said that. That, that, that makes a lot of sense. I hope so too, man. But most of these candidates are defund the police school of thought. It, it's so. just shocking. Like I said, yeah. I really, I, I panicked when I saw this Police Accountability Act and I saw the reasonable person standing. I'm like, my God, who is that reasonable person who believes that we shouldn't have police, abolish the police, defund the police, that we're better off without the police? That's the, that's the reasonable person who's going to interpret my use of force? That's outrageous. He's in, the, he's in the lead, though, right? I mean, Eric Adams is the projected winner. I, I, well, it's June 22nd is the, uh, is the Democratic primary. So basically, because unless there are horrendous situation, uh, a Republican can't beat a Democrat in this city, for, at least for mayor, the mayor. Don't race. count out Curtis Sleeva. I got to say, like, Curtis, I was always on the fence with because – you know, Curtis has been on the street. He's been doing this with the Guardian Angels for years. And their headquarters was on 46th Street, where we were, by Bardot. And that was my fixed post there. So I got to know him a little bit through there. And that was the 80s. Like, this guy's been out there. So he knows the city. I was a little turned off that he was still, you know, he plays that, like, chooch kind of Italian uh, you know, do 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 guy, and I, this is a serious, serious position. And I wish that he would just be a little more professional about it because he's got the skills. He's he, brilliant. He does go out, and he is uh, like all the stuff that it like annoys me as as being a New York City resident. He goes out and he's, he's doing a video, and I'm like, yeah, that annoys me too. And it, there's like four or five different videos that he has out there. And let me ask you, just so. Uh, if he gets a Eric Adams, let's say, hopefully gets the nomination from the Democrat Democratic Party, and then on the on the Republican side, we have the Dominican guy, uh, Curtis Lewa, whoever wins out of there, right? Right. Um, and then they're going to have to face off, right, for the election. And yeah. at that point, right now, things could happen in the meantime, and you're going to have to answer up for. What's going on in the meantime? Well, we're down to two candidates, and you're going to have to vote. They're going to have to answer up on the spot. There's going to be a crime that's going to happen, and what's going to? I'm telling you, they're both going to side on the side of law enforcement because they're both going to want to win, right? And that's what's going to happen. But guys, can I bring up they a have you only hit on a minute ago about uh, Cyrus Vance because he's not running, and I would say as an important race as the mayoral races, it's the New York District Attorney race because that's the the standard by which the other DAs go and uh, they're all trying to outdo each other with uh, their liberal bona fides to say decriminalize this decarcerate that and that's really where the effect is I think we feel a lot of what we feel on the subway and on the street from the lack of the prosecutorial uh, desire to uh, uphold basic public safety. 
And Vance was a disaster for that, in my opinion. He wanted, he actually, I don't know if he even wanted to go after Weinstein right away, but he did. And they love those big white collar things. But uh, Weinstein's life doesn't affect me on the street or on the subway or that poor victim on the platform. Uh, not prosecuting uh, kids who get out of control and menace uh, the, the length of the IRT on the east side like they did the other day, slashing multiple people in the four o'clock hour, four o'clock in the morning. Uh, where is the desire to say that's unacceptable too? And that has to be prosecuted and it has to be prosecuted strongly so that people who think that they're gonna do this understand that there are serious consequences. You're in danger of throwing your life away. So the mayor can actually uh, impact a lot of things as far as the NYPD is concerned. But once that, uh, that arrest is made and those charges are filed, there's got to be a desire to see it through. Well, Sean, you're 100% correct. And one of the things I wanted to also mention that you reminded me of is that the uh, progressives blame COVID for this big uh, bump in crime. And I don't buy that. I totally do not buy that because – Crime was going up before COVID hit. It really? as long as much as it took a long time for us to knock crime down, it takes a long time for it to go back up. And as you disregard the the things we did to drop crime down, you get rid of broken windows, you handcuff the police, you uh, add the you get rid of the, you add this thing called the diaphragm law, you um, bail reform, you throw that in there, you publish the cops. Um, disciplinary um, charges on online. Anyone could pull up a cop's name online and find mm -hmm. out what he's been doing. All of those things are handcuffing the cops. And now you get the attorney general coming up with this new thing designed to even hurt the cops more. And it's I find it deeply disturbing also that she's running for governor and she's going to do whatever she's going to do to promote herself. And she thinks this is good because let's keep beating on the police and I'll get more votes from the progressives. It's disgusting. She's well, a typical um, politician, though. I got to tell you, you know, I have that case in Mount Vernon. There was a whistleblower who was part of the narcotics team there, and he saw police brutality. He saw, you know, all kinds of corruption and, and misconduct, you know, falsifying warrant affidavits, like bad stuff. And he didn't want to participate, and he left the narcotics unit, and he reported on this. There... Then when they were destroying him, they put him, they sent him for a psych review, put him on unpaid leave. Uh, he, he was actually pending termination when I got into the case. He started to record people that were friends of his calling him up saying, oh, I can't believe it. You know, the stuff you were talking about. Well, guess what happened today? And they would go into the stuff that was going on. And he recorded these police officers who are telling what they did in the course of this narcotics team. He shared those recordings with the DA's office, with the police commissioner, and they they just ramped up their uh, attacks on him. Sergeant called him a rat at roll call. They put a bullseye on him. So my point is they reached out to the governor publicly uh, at a press conference, and he just said, oh, it's not my responsibility. It's the U.S. attorney. It's the district attorney. They also reached out to the attorney general. Why are they overlooking this? They don't want to go near it. You know what I think it is? It's a black city, black mayor, black police commissioner. It looks bad for them. And they can't use 
the, the, the coercive powers because of, of the fact that they're black mayor and black commissioner, they don't want to criticize them and go after them. And I think it's bullshit because that community is starving for some intervention. There are big problems, deep-seated, rooted problems in that department that need to be fixed. And everyone has taken the hands-off approach. It, it's outrageous. And I, I just can't understand it and how everyone lets her off the hook. And now she's going to run for governor because she's so wonderful. But she's ignoring this huge problem right here, you know, that, that's been front and center with news articles, with uh, uh, press conferences, and they won't touch it. They won't go near Not it. Not anymore. You know why? Because you're on police off the cuff. That's right. <laughs> it's going out to everybody right now. And somebody's going to pick up on this. Uh, let me tell you something. We have a great guest tonight, and uh, this is a phenomenal story. Um, but I just wanted to mention, I, I don't want to disrespect the Dominican candidate running for Repu uh, Republican mayor. His name is Fernando Mateo. He's another guy who's been around a long time. So you're talking about three candidates. Eric Adams has been around a long time. Um, Curtis Lewa, like you mentioned, a long time he's been around. And um, and Fernando Mateo, he was part of the the Tia, uh, the, 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 the bodegas. And then he, I remember him in the news years ago with the when they were shooting the, the livery cab drivers, killing them, robbing them for money. So, um, but that brings us back to the point that Sean was talking about. It's uh, it's not even the mayoral candidacy that's really important for the city. It is the the DA's office, the Manhattan DA's office, because they pretty much dictate everything. Uh, the laws that are going to come out and they're going to... You know, except, except Mark, when... The broken windows, and when Giuliani administration took over after uh, Dinkins, uh, the everyone was on board for the whole broken windows policing thing to work. The DA's office had to be on board too, and they were. They were down with it. They were going to prosecute the lower level crimes, and we were going to go after quality of life. And and you know during all those times, we didn't just have one style of policing. We kept reevaluating what we were doing and changed with the times. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the biggest things that was made Broken Windows successful was narcotics uh, doing 24-7 buy and bust. And I mean, that is probably the cornerstone of the whole Broken Windows thing is narcotics and the narcotics sales and narcotics uses. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think that's ever going to come back, especially since... Uh we've legalized marijuana in, in New York state. And right now they're in the process of figuring out how to dole up the money. That's all this, this whole thing that we're waiting on right now is we're figuring out who's going to get what, when, like, how are we going to dole up the money? That's it. And then they're going to figure out, we're going to put it in restaurants and cafes. I heard one of the things is you'll be able to go in the cafe, but there won't be any alcohol. So, <laughs> and then the other thing is obviously the, 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 you know, the outlets that you buy it at. You know what I'm saying? Angie Yang, thank you so much for the nine ninety nine super chat. Bill Ryan, thank you for the five dollar super chat. You guys are very well appreciated. You know, when Joe, when you get back to uh Letitia James, uh the attorney general, we also have to remember that there was riots over the summer. And the attorney general wrote a scathing report against the NYPD blaming them for using too much violence, blaming them to do... And the report was horrendous because over 500 cops were hurt during those, what she called, peaceful demonstrations. And so there's another 
piece of evidence, and not one person that investigated that, that whole report was a former police officer. It was all a bunch of lawyers, bureaucrats, and, and people that had, you know, they had a, a, a vendetta against the police department. And then the DOI followed up a report that was just as bad as the state attorney general's report. You know, yeah. on top of that, I just want to add, as attorney general, you are not just as a law enforcement uh, officer, you're the attorney for the state. You represent New York State. You represent all of New York State agencies. When we had those riots and we were infiltrated by people from outside of New York State, by Antifa and Black Lives Matter attacking our departments, attacking you know our infrastructure, causing billions of dollars of damage. Joe Murray, as Attorney General, would have used my office's resources to go after them, sue them, and get that money back into New York State. She's completely ignored it. Why? Because it's not politically correct. We can't do that. She'd rather go after the NRA and Donald Trump than the people who are doing the harm to New York. That's crazy. Well, you know, Joe, I, I, I saw just the other night where they had some Palestinians attacking Jewish diners in a restaurant. I find that that Cuomo and, and de Blasio barely mentioned it. I mean, that is horrendous. That is outrageous. That's a hate crime. And they barely know, oh, yes, oh, yes, it's bad. Are you kidding me? That's your response? Horrendous. Yeah. Well, their response to just about anything like that is that it's quote-unquote unacceptable. Right, that's the the become the canned response to everything that they <laughs> they, they need to show a public But but I think it's becoming unacceptable to just say it's unacceptable and do nothing. Me too. Until it happens again. Next, they're going to say behave yourself. <laughs> yeah. Well, they should go back to the schools then, because uh, we go back to those those protests that Letitia James wants to uh, call peaceful. Uh, they may have started out as peaceful at 5 p.m., but by 9 p.m., they were open riots and looting with bottles and bleach thrown at the police. And I was there as a cameraman. I saw quite a lot of that. And uh, I, the NYPD showed tremendous restraint most of the time uh, until, of course, something uh, triggered a response, which had to happen. When an officer gets a bottle thrown at them, uh, then that's sufficient to respond. And if they have to get tough, they get tough. If they have to put the wire ties on people to stop them from uh, continuing to harass traffic drivers to stop uh, smashing store windows, then they have to do it. Uh, that's the part that's never in the equation. That's the part that the politicians and, and the attorney general in this case are not, not even acknowledging. And I seriously doubt they were even there. I don't think she had a bird's eye view like I did. You're right. What I witnessed. Hey, thank you for saying that, by the way, Sean. Yeah. I just so wanna, I, I don't know if you're aware of this, Sean, but um, I'm pretty. I'm a pretty successful stand-up comedian, and I have an album I can, out. I can see that. Soon. And at some point, you know, I'm going to blow up, and I'm going to make a lot of money. I'm going to need security, and I want you. I'm offering you right now a hundred fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> to be the head of my security. 
I love the story. I love the way you kept your eyes on him. Yeah. I love the way you watched his hands, the way you watched his feet, his body position. I love all of that. That's exactly what I'm going to need around me. <laughs> so uh, well, there's, there's others who are more qualified. You know, since the riots last year, I, I always get uh, a security person to uh, shadow them close security. So uh, in New York during the summer last year, during the protests and riots, in Minneapolis during the, the Derek Chauvin trial, and these guys are really highly qualified. They're U.S. Army, uh, they're uh, Israeli Secret Service, uh, uh, British, U.K. paramilitary. They have far better qualifications than I do, but they're only one person, and you've got to stay alert because there are other people you know, who can use that against you. Now that you bring it up, Sean, since you're out there and you're a cameraman and you're going to all these places, do you have a, a fear? Because I, I noticed that there's a lot of journalists getting attacked um, uh, uh, going out and covering these these uh, these riots and, and these, you know, uh, other just crimes, crimes. Yeah, yeah to some degree. I don't work with the fear. I acknowledge it. Um, in Minneapolis, I was dispatched with a bulletproof vest and a gas mask and a, a helmet. Thankfully, I didn't need them. But we know what would have happened had the verdict gone another way, and I would have required them. Um, but it's a job that has to be done, and I do it. But my concern is when I have a camera on my shoulder and a viewfinder, I have a blind spot. I can't see anything on my right side. And so, for example, during the protest, the, 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 there, were, uh, there was a gang of punks, young ones, 16, 17 years old, smashing into, uh, breaking into a Banana Republic on Broadway. And one of them tried to grab the camera off me. Oh my I, didn't even see, I didn't even see him coming because I'm looking in this direction. I can see peripherally here. I can see nothing that direction. And that's the side he attacked me from. Um, but I wouldn't let him take the camera. A native New Yorker that has to yeah. be the point because he's a cameraman and he's, you know, you're out there. You just, yeah. you might as well be a cop too because you're out there at all these events, uh, but you're unarmed and uh, off duty. This is what you do when he's not, um, when he doesn't have a camera on his shoulder, he's uh, stopping crime on the subway. This is what the, the fellows in the, uh, the transit district office, I think it's transit district four had said to me that night, said, you know, we're hiring. If you're working for another position, that's the way. Everybody wants your services. See, I'm not a dope. They're having have a hard be, time uh, getting. You have to be in the right place at the right time. That's, that's everything. One, one aspect of this I had told a bunch of journalists that I worked with is that there's no way I would ever be on that platform ever for any reason except for the fact that the transit authority had done some realigning of the routes that night for track work. So my the D train was not running down 6th Avenue. It wasn't running back to my home. And I had to find another way home. And I ended up on the platform at Union Square, and that's where this occurred. God put you in her way. I, right. I, I think so. Yeah. Now, are you going to you going to grand jury tomorrow? Correct. Tomorrow okay. morning. So they're going to indict him for felony assault, it looks like. I understand at least two charges are uh, – well, one is uh, second-degree attempted murder. 
And I think the other one is an assault charge, at least those two. But I don't think they'll charge second-degree attempted murder. I find that hard to believe. I think they'll charge assault, but they what do you, what do you say, counselor? Yeah, I, I think a grand jury might indict on uh, attempted murder because that, you know, it was multiple stab wounds, so that shows an intent to inflict possibly murder. And they were in the torso and upper chest area, so... That also, you know, lends towards the intent of that person. They weren't there to hurt him. They were there to kill that person. That's good. So you may see an indictment, but I, you know, like like you, I don't I don't see them going far with this. This could be a, a 730, you know, psychologically unfit, and they don't even prosecute. You know, I bet I would get, almost guarantee you he's out right now. What do you That's say? What do you say, shame. counsel? That's You're right, it is a shame. I, I would think more likely in the hospital rather than in custody, but yeah, not in custody. That's for sure. Yep. So listen, everyone, we'll come, we're up almost at an hour. We just want to uh, thank Sean for coming on this show and we want to applaud him for being a real New York yes. hero. And I find it outrageous that the mayor and the governor didn't call you. You should be getting a proclamation. You should be getting the key to the city instead of these stupid athletes that hate the police too. give you the key to the city. Because what you did was no less than the most heroic thing we've seen in a, a very long time. Well, if de Blasio wants to send me a proclamation, he can stick it in the mail. I'm always <laughs> always available to receive it that way. <laughs> tomorrow, Guys, tomorrow night at 8 p.m., we have one of the most unbelievable guests we've had in a very long time. And it's the um, his name is Joe Pistone. He's a retired FBI agent. He's the real Donnie Brasco. The movie Donnie Brasco was made about him. And he went undercover for six years and took down two of the five New York, New York Mafia families. So it's going to be an unbelievable show tomorrow night. And uh, we hope all you guys come out to watch uh, tomorrow night at 8 o'clock on YouTube and Facebook Live with, with Joe Pistone. Mark, any final words? I just want to thank Joe for coming on again with the legal expertise. He did a great job. And um, to Sean, man, you're a real hero. Uh, I saw you in action, and uh, I was amazed. I'm very impressed. And I think every New Yorker owes you some uh, some gratitude. And uh, if every, every New Yorker just took a little bit of interest like that, the way you did, the city would, would come back strong. Mark, I told him he should have the video propped up on his phone. When he goes into a bar, show it to the bartender and drink OTA. <laughs> well, if I ever, if we ever meet in person, I definitely have, uh, I have our drinks all night on behalf of you. Right. I'll take you New York, If you ever bump into Sean at a bar, you better pick up the tab. Everybody, <laughs> yes. Everyone in the city should buy him a drink. That's for yep. sure. You right? definitely deserve it. Thank you so much. Sean, guys, thank you so much. This is Police Off the Cuff signing off. Good night, everyone. Good night.